Good morning and greetings to each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. We had an enjoyable weekend at Bethel the other weekend, and uh, it, is, it is a joy to be able to go and share with other people of like precious faith, but there's no place like home. And I, and I really do say that honestly because the fellowship here is sweet. And the people that we have fellowshiped with for years is, has been a just true blessing to us. And so it is, it is just good to be here to, uh, to worship with you, to fellowship with you. This morning's message I was asked to share, um, Brother Claire and Brother Jonathan asked if I would share a, quote, pre-nomination message with the congregation here at Bethany. And so that's what I've chosen to share this morning. And the title of the message this morning is, Who is my minister? And so as we look at this very important subject, this very important topic, um, what should we be considering as we look for leadership here in our congregation? And I jotted down a couple of things that, that I'd like to look at, and I know that this list is not all-inclusive because there are so many other things that we could look at as far as some considerations for leadership. However, we often turn to the, the epistles of Paul, and we read of those qualifications of bishop and deacon, but... I'm not going to really go there today because I want to look at our true example of a minister and that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came that we might have life everlasting and He came as a, as a babe in a manger. He came as a servant. He didn't come with royal robes and kingship, but He came as one that led by example. And so we need, as we look at, or as we have some as we consider leadership, we need a servant. We need mercy and compassion. We need strength and someone that stands true to the Word of God. We need someone that will speak the truth in love, even when it's difficult. And we also need someone that is going to live it out. And you know, as I think of those qualifications, I see myself falling far short. And yet my desire is to be these very things and a lot more. To minister to the needs of people. To, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so how do we find all of these qualifications in one being? Well, we don't. It's not possible. Some people have many gifts. There's no question about it. But no one is all in all. No man is an island. No man has it all. And so, how do we find these qualifications in one person? We don't. And that's why we have a plural ministry. That's why we have a team, that a brotherhood, to fill in the cracks. Because... I, don't, I can't meet, meet all the needs. Brother Jonathan can't meet all the needs. Brother Daryl can't meet all the needs. And you individually cannot meet all of those needs. 
But all inclusive, all of us together can meet those needs of other people as we relate to one another. Because that's what a loving brotherhood is all about. It is filling in the cracks. It is meeting those needs. It is ministering to people. And we hope that we can mesh these strengths and weaknesses of individuals into a team that is working for the same goal. And that goal is to build up the body of Jesus Christ. Our congregation here. Build up the body of Christ. It is to preach the Word. And it's not just me as a minister preaching the Word. But it is you as individuals going out and about in your daily activity, living out the Gospel, and sometimes sharing a word in season. But it is also to encourage the saints. And I see that happening in our congregation. And that is a true blessing. And Robert shared the thought this morning. Be engaged. We need to be engaged. Because when we are engaged... We are doing something for one another. We are doing something for the body of Christ. We are hopefully encouraging one another. And encouraging one another, we are encouraged. We are to bear one another's burdens. A prime example of that, and this is physical, bearing one another's burdens, was the offering that was taken for our brother in Highland County not so long ago. And you know, that was a physical act of bearing one another's burdens. But another area of bearing one another's burdens is to call someone, to pray for someone, to just continue to encourage one another, bearing one another's burdens. Another is to pray and to intercede. And I have been encouraged and challenged by the thoughts and prayers and encouragement that we, Paula and I, have received from you all as a congregation, as friends, as part of the body of Christ that we fellowship together with. And we hope that somehow we can encourage you all with our prayers and intercession. So as we plan for the upcoming ordination, we need to pray. We need to pray and seek the Lord's direction, His guidance in selecting men and women or a couple, a family, that is going to be that example. And not in every area. And guess what? <laughs> yeah, we talked about David and how we look up to him. King David. He was a man after God's own heart and yet he failed. We look at Abram and Sarah and they were patriarchs that we look up to. And he lied. And we see other characters in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that we hold up there and yet we see failures and sin as Daddy shared this morning. Because not... I want to say this carefully and not in response to that. Not every failure, maybe, should we say is a sin, but... I get what you're saying. We need to call sin, sin. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants this church. He wants this congregation. He wants this part of the body of Christ to continue growing. And I'm not 
specifically talking about numbers, it may not be in numbers that we grow, but we know beyond a shadow of doubt that God wants His church to grow. He wants you to grow spiritually, individually, so that you can encourage others in the same way. He wants us to continue to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and then pass it on to the generations that follow after. And you know, we rejoice with Roberts and, and Erica's, uh, Erica's decision and others that have accepted Christ and are continuing on in faith. But we want this faith, this ministering of the gospel, this embracing of the gospel to pass on not only to the generations, but even in the community and others as we relate to them. Again, we often look at the examples of the qualifications in Paul's epistles, but Jesus is our ultimate example. And I want you to turn with me, if you will. I've selected several passages, Matthew chapter 20, in showing Jesus in some of these considerations. Matthew chapter 20. And there are so, so many examples of Christ and how He lived and what He did and what He said that it would be too many to include in one message. And so we need a servant. In verse 25 of Matthew 20, But Jesus called them unto Him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But let whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And then it says right here, and it kind of captures the whole thought of the context of this in this one verse. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus told the disciples here in this passage, greatness is defined by service, by being a servant, by ministering to people. And I know that you can look around you at people that are self-serving, and you can look around you at people that are serving others. And we find our highest joy not in serving ourselves. We find our highest joy in serving God and others. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, says, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he, he asked them, What was it that you disputed about among yourselves, by the way? And they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. I probably would have held my peace too. I imagine these guys were really embarrassed about what they were talking about, and Jesus asked them very point blank, What were you guys talking about? He knew what they were talking about. There's no question in my mind 
that he knew they were, what they were talking about. But listen to this. Verse 35. And he sat down. And he called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and the servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he, saith, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Now I want you to think about this scene. They were walking. They were talking. And I'm sure that Jesus was probably leading the way as they traversed down the road or however they were going, wherever they were going. And I can see these disciples traveling along behind, talking about, oh, watch me. You wait and see what I turn into. I'm going to be this and this. and I'm, No, I'm going to be this. But Jesus, knowing their hearts and minds, it says He sat down. He called them. And then He taught them. This was an important topic. Important enough to take time to teach. Parents, we do this. I hope we do this with our children. We find those moments where it is a teachable moment. Where something comes up and we're like, we need some time to sit and talk about this. Because this is needed. And this was a teachable moment. And I can imagine Jesus sitting down and calling those disciples, Peter, James, John, come here. I want to talk to you all. All the rest of you all, come over here. I want to talk to you. I want to tell you something. And I can imagine those men, Jesus sitting down. I don't imagine they came up and they were standing over top of Him, looking down on Him. No. I would imagine that they came and sat at His feet. They sat in front of Him and probably crowded in around Him, expecting or anticipating what Jesus was going to share to say to them. And His message was, don't be selfish. Very simple. That's showalter terminology. If you want to be first, you're going to be a last, and you're going to be a servant. Should, be first, should being first be our desire? Well, we know that's not good. We teach our children from little up, or we should be, to let others go first. Don't always be the first in line. We don't really need to teach them the opposite. It is a natural tendency for all of us to be selfish, self-centered. It's a natural tendency. But we need to teach by example. And by following Jesus' example in teaching and ministering to others. And He did that perfectly. Jesus, our perfect example, did that perfectly. And He taught that to His disciples. And those men and women and Jesus Himself taught that and it was grasped by people to the point where they themselves followed Jesus even to death. And we see that in the disciples and in that history. The second one, we need mercy and compassion. Luke chapter 10. 
And again, there are so many other scriptures that talk about Jesus, His mercy, His compassion. But this is a familiar passage in verse 30. It says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Imagine this road, this priest, this, this man laying by the side of the ditch. And this priest walking or however he was traveling down the road. And he sees this crumpled human lying, bleeding, unconscious or however. And I can imagine this priest saying, I've got to be I've got to be at a certain place at a certain time. I don't have time to mess with this. I don't have time to take time for this person. And he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. And I can see this Levite walking down the road and seeing this bleeding human and him taking a peek. Oh, I wonder if he's all right. And then moving back over and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he, and, he that, and he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. How many of us are too busy to kneel down and help that needy soul? How many of us are afraid that this blood might be contaminated, contaminated and I might get some disease. How many of us are following this direct command to go and do likewise and minister to the needy, to the needs of the less fortunate, to those that are hurting? You know, we do a pretty good job of encouraging one another in our church in our Christian families. And I think that is truly, truly wonderful. But how often am I willing to reach out to those that are less fortunate and bind their wounds and minister to their needs? That's a challenge for me. Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> it 
Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus was busy about His Father's work. Verse 36, But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We have the city of Harrisonburg. 60,000 people, I think, something like that. With JMUN. We have Rockingham County. That is similar population. We have the masses of humanity in this world. And you know, I talked about how does one person meet all the needs? They don't. And there's no way that our little church can meet the, the needs of the masses of the people, even in Harrisonburg. We don't need to meet the, mass, meet the needs of the masses. We need to meet the needs of of the one that we come in contact with. And Jesus saw this multitude and He had compassion. Then saith He to the, unto the disciples, The harvest is true, truly as plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into his harvest are you praying to be sent am i praying to be sent we need to pray that the lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers are we filled with the compassion to minister to the lost with a message of hope man i'm so glad someone shared it with me are we compassionate enough to share a message of redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ? I'm so glad someone shared that with me. We need to be called. I mean, maybe I should say it differently. We are called into the harvest. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we are called to pattern our life after Him the master harvester. And we should be doing that same job. Are we filled with that compassion? Matthew 21. We need strength and someone who stands on the Word of God. Matthew 21, starting at verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and saith unto them, He quoted Scripture. He didn't just do what He wanted to do, but Jesus quoted Scripture. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. 
God's house. A house where people, Christian people, go together to pray, to worship. It is written, my house shall be the called, called the house of prayer. But what did they do? It said, ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. These church leaders, it says, were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what they, these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth and babes and out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? That is another quote of the Old Testament that Jesus shared. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. In the face of opposition, in the face of these prominent church leaders, these Jewish leaders, Jesus spoke the truth of God's Word. And He turned over those tables. And in the light of the world that we live in today, we need to speak the truth. Let's not blur the lines of truth, but let's be fearless in obedience and proclamation of the Word of God. It is the tried and true. It is the tested. It is the foundation. And we can go back to that and know that it is tried and true. It is what we can rely on. John chapter 4. This is what someone shared, I believe, in our Sunday school class. We need someone who will speak the truth in love. And we see countless occasions where Jesus spoke the truth in love. And it wasn't just to the sinner but it was even to those that brought condemnation. And we're not going to read that one about the woman caught in adultery. But here in John chapter 4, He is speaking to the, to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Verse 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. And we know the rest of that story. I'm not going to read that whole story for sake of time. If skip down to verse 16. And Jesus saith unto her, Go and call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus responded, You're right. You're right. Thou hast said, Well, I have no husband. And he spoke the truth. Thou hast had five husbands, and he, he whom thou now hast is not thine husband. In that sayest thou truly. Jesus confronted that Samaritan woman with the truth of her life. And the truth of her life spoke to her. And I feel convinced that it convicted her of sin. And, I feel convi and I'm convinced that she got right with God. 
And then she shared that with her family and her community. And they came and talked with Jesus and begged Him to stay. And others believed. But Jesus didn't condemn her. He just offered her that living water, the truth of the gospel. And that drew her to Himself. Are we offering the truth in love to others? Matthew chapter 19. Verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And again, we know this story. Jesus said what he needed to do. He said, Do no murder. Verse 18. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man was pleased with himself. All these things have I done. All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said, said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect. And Jesus spoke the truth. To this young man. If thou wilt be perfect. Go and sell that thou hast. And give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying. He went away sorrowful. For he had great possession. Jesus knew this man's heart. Even as he was coming. I'm convinced that Jesus knew this man's heart. As He knows your heart and mine. And Jesus spoke the truth to this man. But Jesus is speaking the truth to you today through His Word. And it may not be through this message, but it may be through someone else. God is speaking the truth. Jesus is speaking the truth because He loves you. And we see that this man, even though Jesus spoke the truth in love, he went away. Jesus' question to, the, to his disciples was the same. Are you going to go away too? Will we go away? That's challenging. Will we go away? When we hear the truth spoken in love, will we go away? We need someone that lives it out. Jesus, as we look at these different things that, that I lifted out in this, in this uh, sermon this morning, Jesus was a compassionate servant who spoke the truth of God's Word and lived a life of worship and service to others. And we see in Philippians, and I'd like for you to turn there with me, Philippians chapter 2. These verses are precious to me, and I know that you've heard me read them many times, and you'll probably hear me read them many times more. Philippians chapter 2, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, 
If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill you my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. This is building up the church. This is what Christ did. And this is what Christ is expecting of each one of us. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the, also on the things of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above that which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When those church leaders heard those disciples preach, it said they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And we need a man, a family, whatever, whoever, that God is calling that has been with Jesus. Do you know someone that meets those qualifications? We not only need to know that they've been with Jesus, but we need to know them. We need to not, it's not just a casual acquaintance with this person but we need to know how they act and react. Are they living a life of service and surrender? Are they compassionate and willing to share the good news of the gospel? Are they willing to speak the truth in love? This work of the church, this calling of leadership, is not for a club. It's for the glory of God. It's not... For you to be able to feel good about where you are in your Christian life and where you worship. It's a place where we as believers come together. It's where we come together to worship a holy God. A place where we come face to face with Jesus and see our own need of salvation. A place where we build one another up in the most holy faith. And we need a man that has been with Jesus to shepherd the flock for God's glory. Nothing more. May we consider who is my minister as we think about the future leadership here or maybe somewhere else that it be for God's glory God bless you